Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're locked on Fast Break Friday on the V-Show. Presented by AL81. AL8, the subject of tomorrow. AL8, a new kind of taste. AL8, the subject of tomorrow. AL8. It's from another place. Crisp, clean, L8. Bang. Emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNV Network. It is. It is. It is Fast Break Friday. Thanks for being with us. Paul Rogers is here with us, and we're glad you're joining us. We are presented, as always, by AL8. Kentucky Ann is original ginger soft drink since 1926. So there you go. And um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I, I'm not being snarky when I say this. I mean, it hasn't been a lot of drama for Louisville's team, especially now they've gone back to losing these one-sided games. But, man, oh, man, you look around the country, Paul, every night is just like bizarre buzzer beaters and three-pointers at the buzzer and tip-ins and teams coming from way down. You know, I've been following Alabama relatively closely, and they were down the whole game to Florida, came back, tied it at the buzzer, won in overtime. Uh, Arizona lost. I'm going to go do Arizona's game tomorrow, and they lost for the first time at home to Washington State. It was very good. I can't say that's a shocker, but uh, it's just there's hardly any short things. And then uh, Connecticut, which seemed to be the closest thing to a short thing, went just out and got bombed. their doors blown off by <laughs> Creighton. So it's just last, wild. Last year, Alabama was rolling along, and I think they had achieved the number one ranking by this point. But anyway, they were having a great year and went to, I believe, was was it Oklahoma State? or uh, They went somewhere and then got, got the tar beat out of them. I think you did the game, maybe. Might have. It was, they were, it was Oklahoma. I think they went to Oklahoma. Probably. And so got beat them by 20. There. Yeah, they about did. This time you know, that's exactly right. Yeah. It was Oklahoma. That, I remember seeing Nate there. That's right. That's, so, so, yeah. So, it's, uh, the first prerequisite, though, is they have to make sure they're in my parlay before they have these, <laughs> these huge, ridiculous <laughs> shot at the buzzer, foul the three pointer losses kind of things. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, it's, uh, well, let, let me take a fast look here because. You know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we started to do this on the show and we ran out of time the other day, so maybe I'll finish it up here. How many leagues, forget about being undefeated in the league. I mean, those days, that ship has sailed for for leagues. But how many teams even are undefeated at home in their league? Arizona was. They just dropped out of that category. Um Virginia recently got beat by Virgi- Pittsburgh. They Virginia got beat at home. That's what maybe I think that was the day I started to look at it. So I don't think there's anybody who is unbeaten at home here. I mean, I'm going to. I'm not going to do every league, but I'll do the Power Six and a couple of the m- bigger mid majors like the A10. The A10. There is, yeah, and you'd not be surprised who it is probably because it's a very good team. You know, who's unbeaten at home? Only one team. Dayton. Dayton. 
It's 13-0 and at home. The only one in that league. Uh, let's go see what else we've got here. You can go to the big – I don't think anybody in the, in um, the Big 12 is impossible. I'm looking at the ABCC. Nobody, obviously. The Virginia, tw- or North Carolina and Virginia have one home loss. They're the best at that. Big 12, there's no way anybody's – well, even – oh, no, they are. How stupid is that? What am I talking about? That league okay, is great. I'm going to guess, not this, looking at it, it's Iowa State. No. Uh, yeah, they won. There's three unbeaten teams at home really? in that league. Iowa one State of is one. One of them is Kansas, right? And one of them, one of them is Kansas. Oh, well, they are still unbeaten. Unbeaten at home. At home. Okay. And then Houston is 15-0 and at home. Houston's 15-0 at home. Iowa State's 15-0 at home. And Kansas is 14-0. That's so wild. what are the road records? Because they've all lost, what, three or four games? Yeah, Houston's 4-3 and three on the road. Iowa State's 4-3 and three on the road. Kansas is 3-5 and five on the road. Hmm. Could you imagine? I've said this before. If they played the NCAA tournament like they do the NBA, where you played in your own buildings, you might have, like, there'd probably be four champions in the history of <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I did not realize that that league is as good as it is. There's only three teams. There's or three teams that have not lost the home game. That's incredible to me. The, the Big Ten, anybody? Let's see. Stepping up. Any volunteers? Hands? What do we got? We have Purdue is 14-0 at home. They're the only ones. Okay, so you got one there. Uh, where would we like to go next? We'll skip all the way down to the Pac-2 and see what we got working there. Uh, home teams. Well, Arizona was. But they're 13-1. Washington State's 13-1, so there's nobody in that league who is unbeaten at home. SEC. I think you said this. Alabama and Tennessee have one loss. Alabama. Uh, Florida's only lost Alabama's one. Alabama's got game. one. And Tennessee's Ole Miss got one. Auburn's one got one. Florida's got one. Uh, Ole Miss only has – Ole Miss is 14-1 and one at home. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Kentucky is 11-4. and four. Kentucky has – as as many home losses as every team in the league except Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. Wow, that's hmm. that makes people uh, up the road a little bit sad. <laughs> uh, any other like mid major you'd want to look? How about you know what? I'd be curious to see the Mountain West. That's turning into a a quality uh, kind of high standard mid major. Uh, yeah, uh, San Diego State's thirteen and zero at home. They're the only ones. Anyway, Aztecs. It's tough, huh? Aztec. I said out of way. Are you, are you an Aztec fan? Are you a no, closet Aztec um, fan? Or are you it was, a closet Aztec? <laughs> oh, man. <Who>? Um, <laughs> no, uh, it, when they came to Louisville last year and they played uh, Alabama and Creighton, I took their money lines and they they have a – Took care of you? I, yeah, they have a soft spot in my heart. Yeah, anybody. Because would. I remember I got really – I got into some arguments with Alabama fans because I was – I was making too many jokes, and they didn't like it. And I, then they're like, well, we'll win. And then when they lost, I was like, bye-bye, guys. Anytime. Anybody that – Roll Tide. The, 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 sports fans are, are uh, um, legendarily fickle. And if you can win money for them, you, that you become – there was a racehorse, a harness horse in New York called Rambling Willie. Oh, man, I'd have, I'd have let him move in my bedroom if I could. I loved rambling. <laughs> that and then uh, Fluffy Socks from uh, last year's der- – or it wasn't the Derby fluffy race. Fluffy Socks. It was Fluffy Socks, yeah. I got I, I put five bucks on him because I was like, I like that name. And then he won like the second race of the day. Oh, you mean on Derby Day? Yeah, Derby yeah. Day, yeah. yeah. You, ever, you ever have a, 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 a logical infatuation with the horse just because he wins your money? No, not that I can think of. <laughs> there was another uh, one. That named- I've never had – uh, I, I've never really had one like that. A, a Risen Star was one of my favorite horses, but and I did win a big uh, Belmont. Uh, did catch a big ticket at him when he won the Belmont Stakes, but 
There was a horse that ran, ran one of those. I, I wouldn't say he wasn't a claimer, but he was, you know, just he wasn't great. He wasn't a claimer. He was in the middle. What, what, what horse is in the middle called? Allowance. 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 He was an allowance horse. I, and I, for the life of me, I used to refer to him all the time, and now it's sad how fickle I am. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Something Bear. He was a he was a thoroughbred, not a harness horse, and uh, it'll come to me down the road. But man, rest in peace. I'm sure he's gone because I was betting on him in college, and they don't live to be forty very often. I don't think so. I went to uh, I used to go to the Preakness every year, and, and in one of my early years going, Marty McGee at that time was based out of Baltimore. Oh, he was. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. He rode for the Daily Racing Foreman and was living in Baltimore, and he gave me a, a horse in the Dixie Stakes, which was a, one of the Friday races said this horse is gonna win and i want to say it was supposed to be on the turf and they moved it to the dirt because it was it was driving rain it was a terribly sloppy track so uh and i can't think of his name i'm, I'm hesitating because i'm trying to draw up his name i'll tell the story and i can't but anyway he ended up going off a pretty big favorite but i bet him anyway and he did win so oh well good well, but again, that was, that was thought, a one-shot wonder oh, I thought it wasn't you one he went on the, no. you know, the dirt and then because you know afterwards marty was looking if you're trying to i didn't know they're going to move it onto the dirt and so and there was a there was a horse named connie's gift that neil howard trained who i had watched i think not win but should have won a race. I was waiting and waiting for her to come back, and she did. And I won big, and oh. she came through for me. Those are always see. There good. you go. That's unfortunately the losing stories usually outnumber the winning well, stories. I will. But I when will. When we win, we think that's the way it should be all the time. You know, it's funny. People get frustrated at Kenny because they what he says afterwards. They don't like what he says. But he did say something the other day that is like you know dark humor true he's talking about coaches and he was telling the players you don't don't have regrets Mm -hmm. and that is true man every coach i've known no matter how much they've won remembers some game from 28 years ago (laughs) that i mean i may rest in peace this guy name won't mean anything to be around here but he was my one of my first bosses he was the head coach at hofstra named richard berg and he wound up being the athletic director down at uh university of uh, north florida very had a great career in the naia uh, came to Hofstra, and they told me, get ready for the um, – oh, it's terrible now. I can't remember the kid's name. Let's make it up. Let's say it was uh, Len Johnson. Get ready for the Len Johnson story. So we told him, trust me, you'll hear it. And sure enough, almost five times a year, he'd tell the story of how they're playing in the NAIA regional final to get to Kansas City, and he, and Len drove the baseline down one, and he's got a clear path to the goal, and he bounced it off his foot, and it went out of bounds, and, they, and there it was again, time for the Len Johnson, he'll never forgot that, he probably, sadly, he probably was, you know, muttering that on his deathbed one of those many years later. My, my uh, senior year in high school, I was not playing a lot, I was having a pretty lousy year for a very lousy team too (laughs) but we were at uh, the old Shelbyville High School and we were ahead in a game late and there was a jump ball back then you used to have jump balls yes yes you did and I kind of caught made eye contact with my buddy who was playing center because I thought he could get the tip and I was going to take off take off and get it well worked perfectly I run down the ball and as I'm about to lay it up I kick it right out of bounds (laughs) I was furious. My coach was furious. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Caleb Love did that last night. He was going up for dunk, and as he went to gather himself, bounced the ball off his knee and knocked it right out of bounds. We'll see. I'm as good as Caleb Caleb Love. Absolutely. Glad to know that. Next year, Paul will be applying his trade. He's still got eligibility after being in Arizona (laughs) playing for uh, Tommy Lloyd. All right, let's get to the 600-pound gorilla in the room. What changed in the narrative with the 
awful. I mean, Notre Dame is is clearly not particularly good, and they're having a destruct. Although, you know, I've said this, and I'm going to give Shrewsbury credit because you and I have talked ad nauseum about building a program, building a program, and you got to be competitive. You got to improve. You got to win. You got to maintain winning. They've been competitive all year, especially at the defensive end. There, you you pointed out to me. I didn't even realize their average margin in the ACC games is three yeah, points. Right, that's pretty competitive. And now they've won three games in a row, and they've had a thing to hang their hat on. Louisville seemingly has gone backwards, and they've got reasons why. They've had injuries, and they've really down number of bodies. The the, the cohesiveness has to be you know clearly um, affected by guys being in the lineup, out of the lineup. But that um, was really. I really was looking forward to that. I'm not saying I went in thinking, oh, they're going to win. But I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be one of the. We'll have an entertaining game. This will be a close game, and they'll be, you know, they'll be uh, two teams that are are very evenly matched, and we'll battle it out. And they just got they never led. They never led once. No, I. It's it's just been so darn frustrating, certainly, uh, but just. It, confusing in so many ways. I mean, go. Let's go back. Uh, let's go all the way back to January thirtieth, the Clemson game. Okay, when they're just getting their brains beat yes, out. Yes, you and I. And were. I actually turned to you. I think it said, "Bob, I, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hanging in here." Yeah, you did. I remember that. And, One of the few and times right done that. then, they kicked it into gear and came back and lost, but but made a competitive game of. They lost. Um, I don't have the results. I'm looking at schedule without the results, but I think it was lost by six, I believe, after being way way down. Um, so then they come back from that game, play the knockout game against Florida State, where it looked like world beaters, go to Syracuse, lose, but an entertaining, high-scoring, pretty well-played game, lose by two, come back, beat Georgia Tech, and now I'm looking at what's left. Oh, we got Boston College twice. We've got Notre Dame oh, yeah. coming up. Yeah. we got Virginia Tech. All these, you're thinking, they can win some games here. They're not going to win the conference, but hey, they can move up in the standings, maybe even get out of the bottom four tier. And as importantly, we'd have competitive games yeah. to talk about. Yeah. They'd be real back and forth kind of games. And then all of a sudden, it started to, to me at, at Boston College, where they had the good first half, then didn't play a lick in the second half, and frankly, haven't played a lick since. That's and, true. And, just, it's, and I know, again, the, the injuries and the continuity all play into it, but while their offense at least was keeping them in games and the defense has struggled all year long, now even the offense is having their problems. And it's just been it's been a painful thing to watch. And I've, I've been trying all year to find answers, as has Kenny Payne and the players. And they're just aren't able to find the answers, or at least I think they know the questions, they know the problems, yeah. and they just can't correct them. So now you got, you know, at Duke Wednesday, which – realistically is not a winnable game and then you've got three games left all at home which at one time i would have said are are winnable but now it makes you wonder if anything is you and i were talking and and, uh um after the game and again not trying to throw uh salt in the wound but this will be back-to-back 20 lost seasons um, I mean, unless they win the national championship, they have 19 <laughs> losses now. So that would be back-to-back 20, 20 loss seasons. And I said, have they? How, how many times have they lost 20 games in the past? And you correctly pointed out, well, it was even rarer because you played seven or six, seven or fewer games yeah, back then. You used to play about 25 games. 25 to 27 games. Yeah. Now they're routinely playing 32, 34. And the answer is, there's only been one. Twenty lost season before I thought. I thought for sure Denny had some, but I don't. I was think thinking. He did. I thought they. I think they when, had a twelve and twenty season. When did Den, one of Denny's, Denny's latest, last year? 
One of Denny's was later, it ninety eight? Was he still here in ninety eight? Yeah. That was it. That was twelve and twenty. Twelve and twenty. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's the only one. And they so they certainly have never had back to back twenty loss seasons because they've never lost twenty games except for that one year. Was that his last year? Was no, he was. Uh, he coached two more years after that. Well, give him credit because he got to nineteen, eleven, nineteen, and twelve, which is right now sounds like you know the penthouse. But well, then what was the next one? Then it was twelve and nineteen. Okay, that was his last year. Twelve yeah. and nineteen was yeah, his, I remember last his last. But year. yes, he did have yeah, two yeah. pretty good years. He bounced yeah. back with two. They got beat in the tournament, but they, they got in the top twenty five in both mm-hmm. those years. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a good bounce back. This team did not bounce back. So they've had this is they're going to have had three twenty win seasons and they're going to have two of them back to back here. They're the only team in the league twenty loss twenty loss seasons. Excuse me. They're the only team in the league that does not have uh, a winning uh, does not have at least ten overall wins. Uh, everybody else in the conference they're in last place in the conference with three wins, but everybody else has at least overall uh, ten wins. And uh, I mean, I, again, not trying to throw salt in, but it's just it's it's quite literally historically bad. There's no getting around that. And um, uh, I don't know. I I just Dan Bonner was on the show the other day, and and I I love the ACC. My brother was in it. I've loved it since Louisville's been in it. I love the history of it. Uh, they were the first conference to have a conference tournament. There were so many innovations that came with the ACC. So I'm a I'm a I'm a loyal ACC guy, but I don't think the league is particularly good this year, and Dan thinks it's very strong. And I was like, I'm not sure what you're basing that on. I mean, because I'll be candid, and I said this probably more rudely than I needed to, because nobody has more respect for Tony Bennett than I do. But they're twenty and seven, and they they kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really not very good. Their seven losses have all been by double figures and five of them by 20 or more. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I tip my hat to the guy. He finds a way to win. But, you know, nobody wins without players. And his teams that were really good had lots of NBA players. This group is really limited. I think so. the league is very competitive. Um, but And I think North Carolina and Duke are top-tier teams. Beyond that, I'm, I'm not sure who is. I mean, they are competitive. When you look at it in this frame of reference – from the fourth place team, and I got to count, that's how far down you got to go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. From the fourth place team to the 13th place team, they're only separated by two games. Yeah. Or fifth place team. And I, I mean, Syracuse is maybe the poster child for that going good, bad, good, bad, good, yeah. bad. And they're eight, and that would figure. That's why they're eight and eight. But yeah, you got Clemson's eight and seven, Pitt eight and seven, NC State eight and seven, Florida State eight and seven, Syracuse eight and eight, Virginia Tech seven and eight. And then a couple of six win teams, BC and Miami. Miami's a little mystifying. I'm surprised they're six mm-hmm. and ten. I thought they'd be better. Yeah. But they're 15 and 12 overall. I mean, you look at the overall records of the teams, everybody has a winning record. Forget about just double digit wins. Everybody has winning records in the league except Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. And that's kind of so the bottom is a clear bottom. Yeah, they really have been. Although, and again, not trying to throw salt in the wound here, you can make a case that those two coaches have done pretty good jobs. I mean, I think I mean, in Notre Dame, I, I think Shrewsbury has built a foundation, and Georgia Tech has the most, the loudest four win season you've ever seen because <laughs> mm-hmm. their four wins are against like all the marquee teams in the conference, yeah. right? I mean, uh, so he's done a, a, a pretty darn good job there. And then they came in here and got beat by, by 12. It's uh, kind of weird. So, uh, and it's going to make it's going to make a fun tournament, I think, because I, I think that, you know, you'll, you'll, that's the beauty of it is is the unpredictability. That's what we love about the NCAA tournament. But I don't know who. Everybody loves the upset until you're the until your your team gets upset. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> I remember but, that that year Louisville lost the first game of the tournament to Moorhead State. And how crushing that was. And oh, I said, God. well, 
you know, a lot of people are celebrating. Man, that's a great tournament. That's what makes it so good. We're going, oh, I hate that. That bracket's out the window. That does make me laugh, though. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're not even nearly at the bracket point yet. But people, I don't know what they seemingly think they're going to hit every game because the, the odds, you know, are so astronomically Against it's like playing heads or tails. And what do you think you're going to, you're going to get it right? Thirty? What, what, what would they be? These thirty-two first-round games? I mean, what do you think you're going to get? You know, thirty-two oh, heads, tails, tails, heads. I, all I would roll. love to be the insurance company backing the bet of picking every game in the NCAA yeah, tournament. I, I'd take that mod. Yeah, well, Isn't that too. why what Warren Buffett's got that billion-dollar bet or something Some, that, yeah. for the perfect bracket? Yeah, something like. that. I wonder how close anybody's ever come. Oh, I can't imagine. But I mean, uh, another one I would ensure is pick the uh, the the Derby one through twenty order finish. Correctly. Oh my God, that's also impossible. Yeah. I think I mean, it, it's, it's literally impossible. I think it was like the year that Loyola Chicago went far. I think the closest it was was this guy had like a perfect bracket to the like elite eight, and then that's one. I think it was Loyola ruined it again. Now, if you played these games on campus, you'd have a shot at it. Because a lot of these early round upsets would not be they five twelves, not happening. They're not. You don't I mean, think you, UMBC would have won in Charlottesville? I, I think they would have had a hard time there. <laughs> yes. So, but but the way, the way it is now, when you're playing out in you know Boise, Idaho at ten o'clock in the morning or whatever, I mean it is kind of weird that that's how it sets up. But that year, Louisville lost to uh, Morehead. That was in Denver, and it was the first game. The first of the game tournament. of the tournament. You I think remember the first that. game of the tournament would be on the East Coast, yes. not out the mountain. It went west, but mountain time zone. Yeah, it was, it was the first game of the tournament. And wasn't it was, I think eleven o'clock in the morning yeah, out there? It was. I remember our game ended. No other game was, and we were packing up. That's it. We're finished. <laughs> like, were we the first game against Minnesota too? Like in twenty nineteen? We we that was in in Des Moines. I don't remember if it might. I don't know. It was an early game. I I don't know if it was the first game or not, but I think it was pretty early. Take a look at that. 2019 NCAA bracket. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. A couple years we didn't stick around very long. (laughs) That's a good point. And in 2010, we lost the first round to Cal. And it was the last game played. So I told everybody we almost made it to the second yeah, round. Yeah, we, we, we were in it. We, were, oh, we, we lasted uh, 30. How many games would that be? 32 games or whatever it was. And by the way, that last game was played in Jacksonville, Florida, not in the Western time zone. Yes, I do remember that, too. I remember that. Why well, was – I guess we were broadcasting it, right? Yeah, we must well, have yeah. been. We, we do that. Yes, but I'm trying to remember <laughs> if there's restrictions like – I, I all right, this is not going to say that was who was coaching at that time. That was uh, that was Patino, 20, was? 2010. Oh no, then this goes before that because Denny was still coaching. Denny was coaching. We got beat. Well, you didn't you didn't do games with me when Denny yeah, was no, coaching. No, but that's why I'm saying I can't figure out why I was there. But I was there. Did we? Did you know? Was, was the whole tournament not on network TV yet at that time? Were we did, where in Orlando? We were in Orlando one year with under Patino and got beat. No, it wasn't Patino. <laughs> because Jerry, I'm just sorry, Jerry, if you're listening, my apologies. He was so pissed off because he was on Denny's staff. Wasn't Jerry he? Eves, yeah, yes, he was on Denny's staff. Well, maybe he, you were there cover. Maybe you were working. I don't know. You weren't working with me. Maybe I was just covering the game. I don't know. I can't believe I was, but what the hell? I got a free trip to Orlando out of it. <laughs> he was so pissed. He walked me around the arena for like an hour and a half. Bad mouth and everything that was going on. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Why didn't we do this? We should have done this. No way. We should lose that game. We, I mean, it was one of those things where you just step aside and say, "This man just needs to vent." So let mm-hmm. him go. And just we walked around, and I was amazed how many homeless people there were. There, they have a bad homeless problem outside the arena in Orlando. Did you know that? 
Yeah, very uh, bad. It was very that, bad. That, that, they, maybe they still do, but you're talking 15 years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. It's probably solved. <laughs> but I'm, I'm surprised Dan, uh, Jerry's not still walking around the He was so pissed off. Uh, let's go see when that the 20, what were we just looking at, 2019 or whatever it was? We lost to Cal, correct? So uh, 2019 was Minnesota against Minnesota. Richard Tino. Oh, that's right. They were that was a Minnesota team that couldn't make a three, and of course, in that game, made a million of them. And then the next game went like two for 19. And they got were by State. they were a ten seed. Louisville was a seven seed in Des Moines, Iowa, and Minnesota won by the final score. If I could blow this screen up so I could see it, uh, wow, they won pretty uh, 86-76, and then they got uh, drilled by Michigan State <laughs> seventy to fifty. Ooh, and Michigan State went all the way to the Final Four. So if you lose, you always want to lose. I always feel like you want to lose to a team that goes far. You don't want to lose to sure. some schlub. You know, you want to be able to say, "Well, they were really good." You can you can always track your loss to the national champ, though. We lost to the team that lost to the team that lost to the team that <laughs> well, lost to the team that lost. <laughs> you ever done that in the preseason? Like one year when I first started at Hofstra, we played. Uh, I said, well, we should have been in the Final Four. And they were like, well, why? And I was like, well, we, we beat Lehigh. And Lehigh beat somebody who uh, uh, upset UCLA early in the year. And UCLA, that was the year that Larry Brown went. I think it might have been the year they played. Uh, uh, didn't they play? Who did they play in the finals? Was they, that, that Louisville, was the year they lost to Louisville, Louisville right? Louisville's first year. Yes. No, that was it. Was 1980. Over UCLA, yes. That was my first year coaching. 79-80. And, and we're at Hofstra. We, we we beat Lehigh. Lehigh beat this team. That team beat the other team. The other team beat UCLA. And then UCLA made it to the finals where they lost to Louisville. And I was like, I, I, we were just so unlucky not to be in the Final Four at Hofstra. <laughs> On that topic, I just saw this tweet last night. So UConn lost to Seton Hall. Seton Hall lost to Villanova. Okay. Villanova lost to Drexel. Drexel <laughs> lost to Old Dominion. Old Dominion lost to South Alabama. South Alabama lost to University of Mobile or Mobile. And then University of Mobile lost to Loyola University, New Orleans. They lost to LSU Shreveport, I think Shreveport, I'm saying. Yeah. And then Shreveport lost to Our Lady of the Lake. <laughs> So saying that, Our Lady of the Lake should be, could beat UConn. Should be nationally ranked. Our Lady is my Our Lady of Perpetual. I like the one. I've seen a guy do that and go the other way. He goes all the way back, and then he finds the team at the bottom that beat the team that you started the chain with. <laughs> so you go all the way down to the bottom, and then you say, but then they beat UConn. And so then you say, well, we proved nothing, which is really what it comes down to. Uh, There's a website for that. It's just called MyTeamsBetterThanYours.com. Really? And you can just Ooh, put I in, like that. You can just put in, like... What was it? I think it was like one like my one of my UK friends was like, "Yeah, we beat you in football," and I just did that and sent it to them, and they were like, "That doesn't mean anything." I was like, "Yeah, it kind of does, though." My team's better than yours. I never heard of that. Yeah, there it is, right there. That sounds like fun. You know, I could play with that for a while. Um, who do you think is the best team in the ACC right now, Duke or Carolina? It's called uh, my team is better than your team, by the way. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I've. I would go with Carolina. I still think so, too. But I'll tell you, Duke is just – of all the teams in the league, they've had the biggest upsurge, I think. Carolina is – they they were good at the start, and they're still good. And maybe that's just because they're that much better. But I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody who's made the, the improvement. Um, but I, I thought I, that of Duke last year. I got, I got on their bandwagon pretty early on when they were sort of struggling. And then they caught fire and won the ACC tournament. Although they got beaten in what the second or third round in the NCAA, yeah, they didn't go far. Um, wow! Oh, that's funny. 
just one example i'm sorry now i'm going to be playing with this website for days <laughs> misericordia is better than ohio state <laughs> and it takes like it takes like 20 steps to get there but it gets all the way through and sure enough it's they, an awesome website that's very entertaining very very entertaining who is louisville better oh let's oh man could watch it say no <laughs> who should louisville my team i'll put louisville in and see who they're better than Oh, man. Well, you know what? They'll come up fine because they beat Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech's got some really good wins. Yeah. You don't even have to go very far. Georgia Tech beat Duke and North Carolina. Louisville. So let's say And Louisville. Clemson. And who Do else? you pick the team they're better than? Yeah, I guess you do, right? The computer doesn't do it for you. So let's say let's say they're better than Connecticut. Let's see how that plays out. I'm about to see that. Oh! Oh, this is football. So that's not that's easy because Louisville beat Boston College and Boston College beat Connecticut. So, but let's do a football mm-hmm. game. Let's do Louisville is better than who do you want to put in for football? Uh, I thought you said that was football. No, I'm saying, but you got to pick the team that you you're showing that you're better than. I got oh, the so Louisville. Team? Yeah, so go, go, go. I got the Louisville is better than UConn already in basketball. Yeah. All right, what do you got? Louisville beat Miami, Florida. Okay. Miami, Florida beat UCF. Okay. UCF beat Kansas. Okay. Kansas beat UConn. <laughs> There this you go. Is, I like We're that. We're number one ranked. We are. We should be in the final four. Let's do a football. Let's say, can you can you make Louisville better than Alabama in football? Let's see how you do that. Uh, only takes six steps. Louisville beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech beat UCF. UCF beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Texas. Texas beat Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is damned entertaining. That's a fun sight. Yeah, I like that. But now in basketball, more than ever, I think it's uh, it's definitely true. So. Um, all right, we'll take a break. It's Fast Break Friday, presented by AL8. Paul and I will make our picks. He's coming off a win last week, creeping his way back in after I took a decided edge early into my football butt-kicking that he gave me. But I'm I'm ahead now, 21-18. He got three points last week. I only got two, but I did have a seven We're just party. barely at the top of the stretch. My big kick is still to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. Tournament, tournament time. Yeah. And um, we'll have a, a spontaneous parlay later, too. See if we can do that again. We had a seven-game parlay last week that we hit. So what did we get? Oh, Mark's story. Okay, we'll talk to Mark about what's going on up the road where it's never dull. Never dull. That Talk about losing in bizarre fashion. How about the LSU game? Thing? Yeah. Ooh. That was wild. All right, we'll take a break. So, Go ahead, we got? Well, I... When we get to it, I'll, we can discuss with Mark. I have a question specifically about that game. All right, we'll do it. So stay with us here on Fast Break Friday, ESPN 681.57. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to Fast Break Friday, presented by AL81. Crisp, clean, L.A. 
emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNB Network. Hi, welcome back. Fast Break Friday. Paul Rogers with us. And uh, we're going to turn our attention to our friend who joins us uh, on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, um, oh, you know what? It's Mark Story, right? <laughs> it was because there was part of me that was like, hmm, we often have Keith Farmer in, in this section. So I'm glad to have either of them. And Mark joins us right now. Mark, I, I, I'm glad you're with us, but I'm going to defer my first question because Paul Rogers said he has a question about, I guess, the LSU game? Yeah, just the ending of the game. You know, coaches rarely accept excuses. You know, we should have defended better, we should have blocked out better, whatever. I don't know what more Kentucky could have done. That was just a crazy bounce of the ball that went the right way for LSU. Was uh, Coach Cal at all rational? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did he accept that, or, or, or should that have never happened? Well, I wasn't at the game, so I can't speak to the press conference. Uh, I, think George, I think Jordan Wright drove the ball Adufiero blocked his shot. Wright made a really, really heads-up play. As he's falling out of bounds, he just throws the ball toward toward the rim. I think if you watch the replay, Kentucky, they had some guys ball-watching, and you know, unless you guys you know, cut to the basket and put it in, but my guess is if you're a coach looking at that, you're like, hey, guys, you know, let's play to the end of the game. You know, this ball-watching is, is not a good, is not a good, uh, good plan. I just I am I am uh, struck by the fact that uh, they have four home losses and there's nobody in the league that's got more I don't think than four other than the teams really at the bottom like Vandy and Missouri I guess and that's the thing that really pisses fans off it's when I'm serious I mean you know you just you lose at home and uh, I, I'm just wondering uh, how much is there's a is the the there's always a festering undercurrent of dissatisfaction unless you've just won the national championship. And we talk about this all the time, my my little uh, DEFCON 1, 2, 3, 4 meter. But how much are the losses at home, especially what's sticking in people's craws in your mind? Well, I think that's a big part of it. I think there are two things. You know, I think there are three things. I think the fans have really liked this team. I mean, they like the players individually, and I think the fans are just very hungry for Kentucky to get back to quote-unquote being Kentucky. Then the fact that they've lost so many of the games they've lost have been games they've led in the second half. That tends to raise the frustration. And then you're right. You know, they, they literally have never lost three home games in a row at Rupp Arena. And they've lost, you know, four games overall. And, you know, this was a year when I think the fans thought they have the kind of team that would go undefeated at home. So, yeah, I think those. I think that is a big part of the frustration. All right. So, uh, where are they now in terms of uh, if you were doing a State of the Union address with all the injuries they've had, and now because of that, the difficulty to get the uh, cohesion on the floor. Um, you know, some dis- this this gruntlement about their defensive uh, uh, ability and and uh, rotations and everything that goes with being a good defensive team. Now they they were shooting and scoring all sorts of points. What's the State of the Union address in your mind? Well, it's still too, I mean, as frustrating as it is, it, it's a mistake to count them out. There have been Calipari-Urich teams that quote-unquote gelled later than this that made 
you know, in two cases, in 2011 and 2014, in the made Final Four run, mm. even in 2018, a team that struggled worse than this team has struggled, got hot at the end and won the SEC tournament So, and went to the Sweet 16. So you know, it's, there's still time and talent to get this going in the right direction. It, you know, I do think it's a little bit dangerous when you're ha- having to count on, you know, well, maybe they'll turn it around. I don't you know, know that that's a great position of strength, but I do think when you have, you know, young rosters on purpose, you know, there, there, there is more room for a late-season turnaround than maybe on more experienced rosters. That leads to this question, and I, and I and it's not a sarcastic one; it's a legitimate one. I mean, he was very good, he being Cal, at being ahead of the curve on things. We, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. I think that you know he got in on board with one and dones when people were reluctant to embrace it, and he was like, oh, "Heck with it! I'm going full bore with this." And then all these guys that were you know borderline NBA players came charging through the door, and the next thing you know, the most ardent objectors to it became their biggest advocates. Mike Krzyzewski was this is going to be terrible for college basketball, and then all of a sudden they became one of the leaders of getting one and dones. All right, so now the new thing became the portal, and so. So he seemed to want to embrace the portal, but he didn't get the kind of success he wanted with that. So he kind of went back to trying to get young again. How does he envision staying ahead of the curve, or is that the problem? Is it now that there's no curve to be gotten ahead of? The, the game is what it is, and he just doesn't have the advantage of being able to do that as progressively as he thinks. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, the the the. Um, the, the playing field's been leveled in a way that it has never been before. Is that really at the core of what the problem is for Cal and for why he doesn't have the same kind of dominant success? That's a good question that I think about, too. I think some of it, I think the transfer portal allowed the older players remaining in college basketball. It allowed other programs to congregate more of the older players on their teams. And that in that way, they were able to mitigate some of the advantage Kentucky was drawing from its youthful, but highly talented rosters that it, that that's mitigated. I think that's some of it. I think the free COVID year has actually hurt Kentucky because even though Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell are benefiting from the free COVID year, but I think that has enhanced you know what I alluded to before in terms of there being more you know experienced college players that you can you know, put the better ones together on the same rosters. I think that's mitigated some of the talent advantage Kentucky might have had. The other thing that's happened, the SEC got, has gotten good. I mean, the top of the SEC is good. The yeah. coaching's better, mm-hmm. and the league is deeper. There are, you know, there are a couple of kind of drags at the bottom of the standings this year, but down to about 10, 11 teams, this is a really strong league, and that has impacted Kentucky. It's uh, Alabama is a game ahead of Tennessee. They're eleven and two. Tennessee's ten and three. Auburn nine and four. South Carolina nine and four. Florida eight, tied with UK for fifth place at eight and five. Uh, three games behind. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's unlikely that they're going to be able to make a run for the regular season championship. And, and Cal talking about you know, there's objectives and championships to be won, and so now they're probably going to have to focus on the SEC tournament. How much? Uh, um, well, that's the wrong choice of words. I was going to say a harbinger, but that's the wrong choice of words. How much 
of significance do you give to how well they do in the rest of the regular season here to give to project that for their chances in the SEC tournament, including obviously seeding because there's buys involved and things like that. But what do you look at knowing the matchups they have going down the stretch here? I think there's a better chance of doing well in the tournaments, both SEC and NCAA, if they play well down the stretch. You know, I alluded to that 2014 team, which was the Julius Randle Harrison Twins freshman year. That team was dead in the water to the end of the regular season. They lost three of their last four and got blown out 20 at Florida in the final game of the regular season, and then figured it out in, you know, in the SEC tournament. So I'm not saying that if this thing doesn't go well down the stretch, as long as Kentucky does enough to get into the NCAA tournament, there's at least a chance. But I think you would feel a lot better about their chances of doing something in March Madness if they play well down the stretch here. It, Kentucky was just lightened up offensively through the first half, maybe even close to two-thirds of the season. Is it just SEC competition that has slowed them down, or is there something just not clicking anymore? Well, that, too, is an interesting question. I think they're conundrum, so to speak. I think they, their best offensive team is not a very good defensive team, but when they have to make you know personnel changes to be better defensively it, it, it affects them offensively so their choice is sort of you know just blow it out offensively or try to find some kind of balance and I think that's what he's tried to do I also think at least in the Auburn game they did they chose not to play the way they've been playing earlier where they were so wide open I think they deliberately slowed it down a little bit and, and uh, you know obviously people consider that probably their best win of the year so it, it puts them you know it's just kind of an interesting situation for them because I think you know there's they're sort of caught between trying to just be the best offensive team they can be or trying to find a greater balance with more defensive uh, proficiency and and that, I think that's part of it. Computer is certainly not full, uh, foolproof by any stretch, but if you go by the computer. Uh, I, I, Alabama comes into town for the next Kentucky game. Alabama's a 62% chance to win that game, according to the computer. I, I think that game's basically a toss-up. Kentucky goes to Mississippi State, where the computer says Mississippi State is a 59% chance to win that. That seems a little high to me, but I'll get your thoughts on that. Then Arkansas comes to Rupp, and that's not surprising, 92% chance for Kentucky to win that. Vanderbilt comes to town, 97% chance, so that should be a two-game win streak right there. And then they end the season by going to Tennessee, who would be a decided favorite, I think, at, at Tennessee, 82% according to the computer. So they could be two and three down the stretch, although, uh, like I said, the computer is anything but foolproof, although I think we'd all be surprised if Vanderbilt or Arkansas comes and wins in Rupp. But how about those other three games? I mean, uh, what, what, what do you see happening there? What, what do you think the most likely scenario is, even if you don't specifically pinpoint the game? Out of those three games, they get two, they get one. What do you think? I think to feel good about them, they need to get two. Okay. I think they need to beat Alabama in Rockland. I think they need to win one of the other two road games. And I think they've won eight games in a row at Starkville. So that's been a good locale for Kentucky for whatever reason. You know, whether that means anything for this year, I have no idea. But they, they have tended to win there. And they've actually played fairly well at Knoxville. They beat them at Tennessee. They stunned Tennessee in Knoxville last year. So I don't think any of these are hopeless. But you know, I you know I think to feel good about them, to me, they need to win four out of the last five. What is the uh, SEC format, the tournament format? I uh, the top four draw double buys into the quarterfinals. Um, that that's 
if you're, if you're, it's not impossible to win the tournament from outside that top four, but it's really hard. Well, so that is forget about winning the regular season. Right now, they're a game out of the uh, behind the two teams tied for third and fourth. Auburn nine and four, South Carolina nine and four, and then Florida and UK at eight and five. So that's it's like a pennant race in baseball. That's really the urgency is to try and figure out a way to get uh, to be in the t- of those four teams I just mentioned be one of the top two. So you get that. Uh, double buy, I think. So, um, uh, and I don't know the tiebreaker. I assume is head to head, right? So uh, uh, that's the first tiebreaker. But if you have unbalanced schedules, you will you may have played a team twice, or I mean, they're, they're, you can if people are interested, you can Google SEC tournament tiebreakers. It's it's fairly it's it, it gets to a fairly Byzantine level, but that's just the nature of. Uh, Do they finally get to the coin toss oh, uh, like <laughs> level? But, but I mean, uh, they, they they beaten Auburn, so they would have the tie tiebreaker on Auburn, right? Uh, remember, people were freaking out back at the end of football season on the ACC championship oh, yeah. whether it would go down to a, a coin toss to decide the yes. the other team. It's hard to get there. You got a lot of factors. Does did they did they beat South Carolina? or Did they lose to South Carolina? They did not. South Carolina would have the head to head. And then Florida and UK, they had uh, they, they split. split. So, so you have to go to game. Wow. Yeah, they, they they split. So they have a tiebreak against Auburn. They don't have the tiebreak against South Carolina and Florida, and they are dead at one and one. So I don't know what they do there. They play a, a pickleball. Well, one of the tiebreakers is how you fared against the team that won the league, which would make beating Alabama. Oh, huge! Yes, really huge! Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see. There'll be no let, no uh, lack of drama down the stretch in this college basketball season, Mark. So we uh, appreciate. Oh, by the way, what is Trey's health? Do we know what is the status with his health? Uh, I don't know that we know for sure. I think the expect, or maybe it's the hope, is that he will give it a shot tomorrow. But I don't know that anybody has said that officially. Because uh, he's got two things working, right? Then you have a back, and he's got another issue too. He I came think. back from a he came he missed a couple for back issues and came back in the Ole Miss game, which was going to be the first game all year Kentucky'd had its entire roster. And then he hurt his left shoulder early in the second half of that game. Hmm. Has, has been out with that since stats. Texter says South Carolina showed the league how to slow Kentucky down. Get in your face physical on D and don't let them get out and run. That's not quite that simple, but that probably is a part of what you got. I mean, an effective way to play them, don't you think? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that roughing them up, you know, getting really physical with them is, is, is one way to do it. Now, that slowing them down has proven easier said than done. Most of the teams that have beaten them since South Carolina. You know, outscored them. Kentucky's lost multiple games having scored over 90 points. I mean, mm. Tennessee and Florida, when they beat them in Rupp Arena, they didn't slow them down. They just, Kentucky couldn't stop them. Mm. Yeah. All right, buddy. It's good to talk to you. We'll catch up with you next week, Mark. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. All Appreciate right. you. Appreciate Mark, it. Mark Story with us here. We do that uh, for the people in Louisville who wonder because we are on in Lexington for the first hour of the Fast Break Friday program, and we're glad that Mark joins us so we can shed some light on what's going on there. Um, the, the SEC is just like damn near every other conference in the country right now. I mean, down the stretch, you're going to have big games. It's very it's hardly anybody who's just run away and hid, and so uh, it's going to be interesting. And, I was uh, just checking. Reed Shepard's statistics because he's been such an interesting story this year for Kentucky. He is still hitting over fifty percent from three. Well, he's I, he's I'm so impressed with uh, with him. By the way, that's we were talking about that. Um, I don't think you were in with us when the whole thing blew up with Patino, and they talked to Reed's dad. 
um, they did I mean, I'm giving a disjointed chronology. They had been talking to Jeff years ago, and when it, his quote resurfaced because of this stuff going on with Patino, oh. and they asked him, you know, about his tenure at Kentucky, and he said, well, I played for two coaches I would have run through the wall for, uh, one out of love and one out of fear. <laughs> Yeah, and he played. He played for Tony, mm-hmm. and he played for Rick. And I thought, wow, you know what? That says that it all. Pretty much sums it up. I think that's exactly right. Also proves there's more way than more than one way to do it. Well, that is true. More than one way to skin a cat. Uh, you know, I, I wish I'd asked. I'm sorry, texter and and listeners, if this crossed your mind because there was so much interest in DJ Wagner here, and obviously we know Milt and like, like Milt very much. Um, but it says. DJ Wagner has really struggled. That's one of the biggest issues with the consistency of the offense of late. Now, he's had injury issues, but I, I mean, we heard so much about him. I, I did wonder that he has, um, you know, he has seemingly not been like the kind of year Reed Shepard's having is the kind of year I thought yes. he was going to Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm looking at stats for Wagner, and they're okay, but you're right, considering the flash that he had coming in, um, and he has been fairly erratic. Um, if you blocked out the name and put those two stat lines up, you would have thought Wagner would be closer to yeah, where exactly. uh, Reed is. Although I don't know that he was ever a prolific three-point shooter necessarily. But you look at the assist, the assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, Shepard's just been amazing. His, he leads the team in steals. That's I what mean, I was struck by. Because, I mean, I didn't really see him. I, I, I know he was right in states. I could have. But I don't see a lot of high school games or AAU games. And I just... I, I thought he was going to be stereotypical, but I thought he was going to be a guy that would have a value as a knockdown shooter. He'd make some shots, but he, he steals the ball. He blocks shots. He gets assists. He plays the whole game. He's, uh, he's, he's he has really... 70 steals. The second most on the team is 29 That's by, Dill, by mean, Dillingham. Really? Uh, he makes 50% of his three. He's averaging 11 points a game. He's averaging four assists a game. He's got yeah. a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. I mean, he's... He's, he's doing all the things a superstar recruit. The dude, the dude can play, no question. All right, th- those of you in Lexington, thanks so much for spending some time with us here in Louisville. We'll continue. We're presented by ALA, Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since uh, 1926, and we're glad you spent some of your fast break Friday with us on ESPN 680-1057 here in Louisville.